0: He is a local state championship baseball coach who has an incredible story from the pitcher's mound. Sermon from the mound, you might call it. It's all about being more than just a ball game. You're going to hear the inspiring testimony of this coach coming up. There is the word. There is the way. And brothers and sisters who find strength in their belief. We meet Faces of Faith with Phil Scoggins. Welcome in once again for Faces of Fate, and I have uh, an outstanding uh, guest in my studio today, Tim Fanning. Tim is the head baseball coach and athletic director at Glenwood High School, and Tim, uh, you're not new to this studio. You've been here, oh, it's been maybe a a month or so back, maybe two months ago, but uh, our sports guys, Rex Castillo and Jack Patterson, had you here on their On the Sidelines uh, podcast, and... Really, after we were talking, uh, following that podcast, we said, you know, you've got a story that would be a perfect fit for Faces of Faith as well. So we're going to do part two with Tim Fanning today here on Faces of Faith. Thanks for being with me, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime I I get a chance to share what God has done in my life, I'm I'm more than willing to do that. Uh, What I try to do to begin with is uh, make the assumption that folks who may be tuning in who don't know Tim Fanning... I sort of like to go back to uh, your roots, let you talk about uh, where you were raised and, and how you were brought up, and your first connection with the Lord, if that happened when you were you know a young man growing up, how that came to be. So let's uh, dig back into your past and take me to, uh, to your growing up years.
1: Uh, well, m- my mother was stationed here in Fort Benning. Uh, she was a nurse, um, and so really, uh, she ended up having me out of wedlock and back then if you didn't have anyone to, you know, speak for you, so to speak. She's from Massachusetts. So um, she was, it was either give me up for adoption, stay in the army, or, you know, uh, be honorably discharged and then get out of the army. So when she got out, we stayed here. So that's how, you know, uh, my family became, you know, part of the Columbus area. Mm -hmm. Uh, We, it was, it was a struggle. Um, you know, single mom, and and um, you know we lived um, in you know some pretty <laughs> pretty uh, dire circumstances. You know, at a young age, and you know we were on you know government assistance and food stamps and all that kind of stuff. And um, so it was it was tough growing up that way. I guess at the time, you know, now when you look back on things. really wasn't that tough you know because i had a mom that believed in the lord and and showed me what it meant to really love you know so i i would say that um as far as knowing god in my life i think that came at an early age um by watching an example of someone like my mother Mm -hmm. um even though we didn't have very much um I, I can remember, I mean, vividly, you know, being at church. And, you know, when I say we we didn't have much, we didn't. I, I still to this day don't know how. The money never met the amount that the bills were. But yet, somehow it always worked. And I would see her at church. and I mean, she'd just have the change in her pocket. She'd put it in the offering plate you know what I mean and those those types of things stick with you when mm-hmm. when when you you have like five people living in a one bedroom house or a two bedroom house you don't even have your own bedroom and then you <laughs> you come home and there's another family all of a sudden living with you because they didn't have a place to stay mm-hmm. you know my mother would constantly show me examples of that regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our bank account, regardless of where we lived, what kind of clothes we had, you know, car, anything, that didn't matter to her. The only thing that mattered to her was putting others ahead of herself. And I think that was a a prime example for me to grow up with. And just like everyone else, I think you don't realize those things until you get a little bit older and have perspective and kind of look back on those things. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, my, My life has definitely been, I would say, all over the place when it comes to um, my relationship with Christ, not because it changed, but we (laughs) we were Catholic until I was nine, and then we went (laughs) to Assemblies of God. So it was a big leap. There was a big difference. And when I say we went to assemblies of God, you know, my mother, as you know, have been a member at Evangel Temple for a really long time. Yes. Well, we didn't start at Evangel Temple. We started in the basement of some places. And when I talk about getting down and dirty and getting with it, Mm -hmm. they were getting with it. You know what I mean? So that was a big a big deal for me. But I think there again it also I think I always thirsted for being shown something different. I was never a, a kid, even growing up, like that. I wanted to do the same thing over and over and over and over. I wanted to be challenged, like whether it was in my faith or, you know, just what I saw, experiences, things like that. I I never wanted. I'm I'm not good at. Um, Just really doing the same things over and over and over and over like that. I want to be challenged and do things differently, you know. So um, I know that's kind of a long answer to that, but uh, my mother introduced me to what I think, you know, uh, the Lord wants us to be, and that's um, obviously um,
0: giving our our lives to Him, but also giving our lives to others. Sounds like uh, servanthood which is what our Lord did when he walked this earth is he went about doing good for others who were in need. And that your mom, uh, that's the mantle that she picked up and showed you by the way that she lived her life before you as, as her, your mom growing up.
1: She did. And, and that's, like I said, as I've gotten older, I have really started to understand that, you know, because... <laughs> When you start, when you share your testimony, when you share with kids and and you're trying to lead them to Christ, you know one of the things I talk to them about, you know, is being a servant. Well, there's no bigger servant than Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do any of it. <laughs> As he's the holy of holies. He's, he, he didn't have to lay his down his life down for us. You know what I mean? So all he was about was giving everything he had to other people. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, she was – I definitely saw that. Now, like I said, as a kid, you don't really realize that. You know, you're just, you know, sometimes enamored with other things. And, you know, I never – we never had air conditioning. We never had cable. We never had any of those things. But seeing my mother – the way she handled those things, or lack of those things, mm-hmm. it made me not really, I didn't grow up with envy, mm-hmm. you know, and I, that's a big thing, I think, to give to your children is to be okay where you are, mm-hmm. and so many times when I speak to groups and in this generation, is really hard to get them to understand that, because this social media age and and they have so much noise in their lives that they're always seem to be trying to live through someone else as opposed to being graciously thankful for where they are and what they have. And my mother taught me that, you know, and I I think um, it allowed me also to appreciate things better when i got a little bit older you know i i went off to college and had air conditioning cable tv and three meals a day i'm like man i'm never leaving this place you know so um she was a a certainly a uh, a great role model for me and um and like i said as i've gotten older and gained a lot of perspective she certainly has um become even a bigger, uh, you know, presence, Mm -hmm. you know, in in my life as far as my mental um, aptitude to serving others.
0: When you were in these uh, earlier years, and do you recall encounters that you had with the Lord where you felt like that He was really close to you, that He came... To you, in situations where when you were desperate and and you needed and cried out to him and uh just your your personal relationship with him when did when did those times begin
1: i th- i can I can think of a couple, and it was when we moved from South Columbus to east columbus um, excuse me and where we were, it it you know, it wasn't a good situation where we live in and, and um and there wasn't a whole lot like when when you have a single mother, she's working constantly all the time. So their time you you need things to fill your time as a child. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have those things where we were living. And and I know this from the bottom of my heart that God had a plan for us and it was acted through my mother to move to this house that was directly across the street from Eastern Little League because I, I had been praying and praying, you know what I mean? Because I just knew the path we were on, it, it wasn't good, mm-hmm. you know, and she did that and my life totally took a different turn then so that to me made me feel (laughs) closer to God right wrong or indifferent you know that's how I felt Mm -hmm. I felt God took us to that specific place Mm -hmm. for specific reasons you know and I'm across the street from a kid's playground Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. you know you know any kind of sport you want to play and then East Columbus Boys Club is right beside it right So it opened my life to so many things that I didn't know existed. I'd never played bumper pool before. I'd never done pottery before. I'd never swam before. You know, all these different things that helped shape my life that I didn't even know existed coming from where I was coming from. Mm -hmm. So that was, I would say that's the first time I really felt close to God is then. Um, And then when we moved we moved a lot <laughs> by the way but then we moved to the north side of town right before i started high school and i think that that was also a time where you know high high school students really i think struggle with identity a lot and they're always searching um for for meaning, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I explain it to my kids now, now that I'm older, that no matter what social standing you have, no matter how big your bank account is, where you live, how big your house is doesn't matter. Every person that gets up is desiring purpose in their life. No matter if they've been a Christian for forty years, mm-hmm. if they've been a Christian for one minute. They all desire purpose. And I was searching for that too. And and I really believe that being closer to a place like Evangel Temple, um, I think I, I'll be honest, when I was younger, I in in my walk with Christ, like a big church was scary to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't feel like a big church. We all have preconceived notions about everything, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the other side of the tracks for me. Yeah. You know, it's like, man, they there's there's no way. Like, uh, that's just too big. Those there's, there's people, they don't care about me, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just a number. I'm just a, you know. Um, but once you really... I think as you get a little bit older, God puts a lot of heavier stuff on you um because I think you can take it and he's really started speaking to me about I think you need to start opening your eyes a little bit about people and really start investing and allow people to get to know you because I was very I was a very guarded person very guarded introverted right? Not introverted, but guarded with my past. Okay. I didn't I didn't like to open up. I was not vulnerable to anyone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And not having a father, I think that's kind of like, I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this myself. I don't need your help. Yeah, independent. You're not going to tell me I can't do something, uh, which <laughs> led to a lot of spankings growing up <laughs> from Miss Mary. But um, <coughs> I think... I, When I was in high school, I finally let my guard down and he showed me really what love was or what I, a bigger side of love than, than I thought I could get to at that age. And, and basically he spoke to me to quit, you know, being so guarded, like to just, open up and let people know who you are let them know because like i said as a kid like you're you're always trying to like okay are they going to judge me because i you know i grew up on the south side and i came here i don't have any money i don't have a car i don't ha- you know what i mean these sorts of things that now when you look back on like you know they don't you know they don't matter but as a, a teenager you think they do but it was almost like the more i opened up the more my relationship with God, and I think that's what He was speaking to me when I was in high school.
0: Your pathway um, to where you are, uh, baseball played a big role in that. Describe, you know, your, your path and, and its correlation to your faith as you were going through high school and into college.
1: Well, that's I, I'm a big guy on God's path. I, 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 I preach it all the time. I preach it. I'm not a preacher. I, I talk to people all the time about it um, because it is so hard for us to grasp that there is a plan that we can't even fathom. He already knows what path he has you on. It's just a lot of times we're too stubborn because we think we're smarter than people, and we don't listen. We don't. We don't open up our hearts and our minds to what God has for us. So my path, if you look at it from the outside, and this is what I love about having ret- like perspective, when you look back and you're like, man, he's so much smarter than me. <laughs> He knew this was going to happen, and this is why he put these things in front of me. And, but as a, a 20 year old, 18, 20 year old, you're like, man, what am I doing? Why is. Okay, so I start off, I get a baseball scholarship to Berry College, okay, out of high school. And so I go up there for one semester, and then the head coach that recruited me and the assistant coach both left. So there was something like that's the only reason I went there because of them, mm-hmm. and so I had some friends that played at Middle Georgia Junior College in Cochran. So I just kept feeling this tug, like I I just I don't belong here. There's somewhere else I need to go. There's I, I, I'm supposed to go somewhere else. So I convinced one of my teammates at Barry college to drive me three and a half hours Cause I, granted, I don't have a car mm-hmm. drive me three and a half hours and drop me off at middle Georgia unannounced to work out for this legendary coach that I didn't even know if he was going to say yes. You know, of course my buddies are telling me, yeah, come on down here. He'll, you know? So, and I don't know if he felt sorry for me. I have no idea, but I know that God opened that door for me. And wouldn't you know, I end up going there, and the the two people I left that I knew had, that I knew from high school they left. They weren't even there. So, not only did I change and go down there, I was with no one by myself again. Right, and mm-hmm. that's when one day goes my future wife walking down the hallway, and I just knew. I knew it. I knew it. And and that is the reason. I went to middle Georgia. And and all these things are lined up in God's path for your life, but a lot of times we're scared. We, you know, because look back and all the people were like, well, what do you mean? Like, I could have easily stood in fear and not approached my wife. Because men don't want to admit it, but it happens every day. <laughs> Right, we like, we want to talk bad uh-huh, and big uh-huh. and everything, but you know we're you know we're scared too sometimes, yeah. and and we just don't want to tell anybody. But we did that, and and we've been together almost thirty years since then, you know. And it's just like when I left there; it was a two year school, so I, I was very blessed. I had several scholarship offers at other four year schools. Well. On the surface, you're looking at one of those is University of Georgia. And then another one is Marshall University that's eight and a half hours away. The thundering herd. But when I went and visited there, I had a different total peace and feeling that I did not have at UGA. And there again, on the surface, it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I had already asked my future wife to marry me as well. So we're engaged. So I'm leaving, going to eight and a half hours away. Where was her hometown? Atlanta. Okay. So when she left middle Georgia, she went to Georgia state. Okay. So we're, we're eight hours away from each other, you know? Um, but I knew God was calling me to go there. And so, and then you, you start thinking about those things. If, if, if I would have never went to Marshall university, so fast forward, I come and I start coaching. And one of my players, I end up sending to Marshall University. He would have never gone there if I didn't go there. Mm-hmm. So he's a Division One athlete. Well, his best friend in college, he introduced me to him. And we started more than a game together and traveled all over the world. That never happens if I don't. If and I don't got a listen to, correct. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that, that is really hard for people, <laughs> especially men, to understand that we are not in control. He is in control. Mm-hmm. And, and to surrender to him is a very hard thing to do. But I've seen it my entire life. And if we we'll just get out of the way, mm-hmm. he'll take his places that we never knew we could go.
0: I don't know if we want to go with more than a game or serve to lead. we got different options here, but you you were getting ready to say something. Yeah, serve to lead, li- and that is... That's the uh, <laughs> the book I'm holding up right here, Serve to Lead, which is the sequel to... This is Serve to Lead it's 2. A, yes. So this is the sequel to the first one. Yes, sir. But let's... Uh, you've, you've sort of painted a good background picture now, So so bring us up to date about the essence of what's in between the pages of
1: this book? Well, um, it, it is a, I would say it's a sequel. Basically, um, when three years ago, well, it's it's almost been three years ago now. No, it's about two and a half years ago I was um, diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And um, so basically the, the first half of the book is to start off trying to, take people through my journey, um, from that standpoint and how God, you know, in in this community, um, helped me through that. But let's back up because we were talking about God's path for Mm -hmm. life and, and, and I was talking about more than a game. Well, God had it on my heart before I ever found out that, that I had cancer, um, that he wanted me to go in a different direction, um. And it, you know, and it, we don't need to go into, you know, why or anything like that. Right. But I knew that's what he wanted me to do. Um, even though for the previous eight years we had built more than a game, and we had gone to all these different countries and and, and done all Explain,
0: these. Explain just so that folks that don't well aren't basic, familiar
1: with it. Okay. Well, basically, we we use baseball <laughs> to um, reach underserved areas around the world through. Uh, we build fields, donate equipment, um, do clinics, um, you know, give out Bibles, you know, clothes, anything that we can do to basically help better the situation in these places that we find. And that, who goes that on this, these trips? Um, players, okay. um, play, active players, former players, college students. I mean, people in the and that it had grown to the point where we started taking women on the trips, you know, which were some of our best trips ever. Um, my family, my my daughters, I've taken them on these trips since they were 11, 12 years old. They go on every one of them with me. Um, Some so of the places you've been to include. We've been to, uh, we started off in Panama, we've been to Colombia, the Dominican, Puerto Rico, Costa Rica, uh, Cameroon, Africa, Taiwan. Um, wow. Around the globe. Yes, yes. So, and in, in each time... God has taken us to these places because I get the question all the time. Like, well, how do you choose where to go? I'm like, I don't, what do you mean you don't? I'm like, I, I'm just telling you that God takes us where we needed to go because there's no way I can make the decision. I want to go everywhere. First of all. And, and then you end up nowhere if you ever heard that before. <laughs> so it's like these doors open and you feel that little push in the small of your back. You just walk through them. And, um, and a lot of that has to do with, um, I think, who he wants you to impact, not only on the ground, but the people who are going. Mm-hmm. And so, after the last trip we took in 2019, it was to Puerto Rico. Um, I, I I really had it got it. His plan had been on my heart for about a year. And like I've already said, men are pretty stubborn <laughs> to the core. Um, but there again, that, that's, the, that's also the devil trying to wedge himself in between the relationship I have with God as well. Because he's always going to...
0: Doesn't leave you alone.
1: No, he doesn't. And he, he knows what's about to happen. He knows that you're about to do what you're called to do. He's like, well, wait a minute. Now you've already got this set up, and everything's going good. You got a bunch of people donating. We're, we, you know, we're doing all this stuff. You know, so it's a fight. It's a battle. And if anybody tells you it's not, they're they're mistaken. It is. It's a, it's a constant battle. But that's what makes it so great. Um, because you have to to listen to what he's telling you to do. So I I get home and and um my partner. Um, that I'd been doing this with, um, you know, I I still couldn't come to, to have that conversation. You know, and people who, my inner circle are like, oh, well, I mean, you just need to tell it. Well, it, that's easy for you to say, but it's harder for me to do. You know, this is yeah. eight years going on and we've done so many amazing things together. So, I go down to the Dominican um, and it was a very small trip. It was only... Of us that went, it was really to go and back to places that we had already started mm-hmm. there and check on them, take them some more equipment, making sure what we started is doing well, take more Bibles, talk about. But, but me going every single place we went, all five cities, I finished with giving my testimony and really, really putting Christ first. It's one thing to say you do. But to really do it, it's different, it, it's different. And, and I don't think any trip we went on they knew we weren't Christians, but how much were we really witnessing? you know? Um, and I just didn't feel like we were doing enough of it. And, and it was one of my friends that I trust the most that has been probably on eight or 10 of these trips. He told me when I would finish talking in all these different places, that I looked different than I did the last several years, that he could tell that I knew that's what we were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So finally, when I came home, um, that was in July of 2019, and I told my partner that this is what you know I had on my heart, and we were gonna, you know, go our separate ways, and I wanted to start, um, you know, a new one that's called Serve to Lead. Uh, because I, I wanted it more encompassing, um, I wanted to start from the ground up and and build it in God's image, mm-hmm. and um, and then <laughs> the next week I found out I had cancer, and the next day I took my daughter off to college for the first time.
0: So wow, what changes <laughs> in such a short amount of time to try to adjust your life to right and. It, and I think I think God knew this was coming
1: the whole time and and he knew that I needed that foundation you know he he, he knew I needed that off my plate mm-hmm. and done mm-hmm. you know and knowing it was right so that I could move on to this next battle and um so so basically we didn't for the, that cancer, about you know, went on for about two years, and in the middle of a pandemic, you know, um, so I had a lot of time to reflect and search and and really, I think build the foundation. And that's when I started writing. Um, Served to lead two, uh, was during that time, and um, and I knew that as soon as God was ready for me to be ready, that. Get this going back again and um, and he blessed us with being able to do that this summer and uh, we went to our we did our first trip as served to lead to the Dominican and uh, built a field uh, in three days it was it was pretty it was amazing um, how just I just knew I was in the right place I mean and it felt so good to just really share. God's love and and see this community come together and um, so it was, it was a big deal for me. It was you know not only had to come through the cancer battle, but to take the trip as serve to lead uh, instead of more than a game. It was it was a big moment.
0: What about the the title of the book, Serve to Lead? Tell me where that derived from.
1: Well, I've always prided myself as a coach. Knowing that what I do is bigger than me, uh and what I mean by that is um thea founda- every coach, if they don't should, have a foundation, just as God does in your life, it can't be made out of sand uh-huh. okay, so you build your foundation, and what people think is wins come first, actually wins. Are far down the list. So, as I'm building my coaching philosophy, you know, one, one of the biggest things is we talk about decision-making. Okay, there are four criteria to every decision that you should make when it comes to this. Okay, how does it re- affect your relationship with God? How does it affect your family? How does it affect your education? Then, how does it affect your athletics? Okay, so if you, if you could check every one of those boxes, it's a good decision. So, in those quality, and, and I'm saying this to tell you that my entire coaching career, I've always known that it was, serve something bigger than yourself, okay? If you will take care of all those little things, you won't have a big thing to worry about. The championships, all that comes, it comes after. So you play like a champion before you're a champion. And to me, a champion is someone that puts others ahead of themselves And will do everything and anything in their power, okay, to build other people up. Hence, that brings you up, you know what I mean? So, um, serve to lead is my understanding of where God has placed me and the responsibility I have to serve so that I can lead these young men, not only on the baseball field, but in their walk with Christ and everything that they have to deal with in life.
0: What effect have you seen Serve to Lead have, not just on your players? You gave me an example before we went on the air of the impact that the books had on coaches, fellow coaches. Tell me, you know, if the Lord's call, calls you to do something, it's not going to lie dormant, or it's not going to be ineffective. It's going to ma- have an impact. Right. Tell me how you've seen it uh, impact the lives of people in in your circle of friends.
1: Well, it's um, like I shared with you um, a, a coach that I've known for a long time that was a is a Hall of Fame baseball coach. You know, uh, you know, through a mutual friend, we were talking about it, and I was like, I, I just I have to send this guy a book. Like I haven't spoken with this guy. In probably at least 10 years, at least 10. And he got the book and then he messaged me, and it just affirmed why God had me write this because he's like, You have no idea what I've been going through, how struggle it has been, and I really needed this right now. So, and I've had, fortunately, I've had. Those examples, one after the other after the other, I, I get text messages from people, and I, thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you. I, I had no idea that I wasn't the only one. You know, it, and that's the thing. If, if I can, <laughs> you know, and it, it's crazy because you can save a person's life with your words, and that is very humbling. It's very humbling that God would give me this platform to do that. And if, and if it only takes being vulnerable and putting that on a piece of paper for someone to read and being completely honest with people about your life and your struggles and what you go through, but that, that there is light at the end of the tunnel because you trust God's plan for your life. And I think in that vulnerability, it it gets people to look at themselves differently and understand that anyone can have hope if you trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, kids that have read it, you know, Coach, I, I didn't know that about you. Um, well, ask. Like it 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 creates dialogue with a younger generation that um may not talk about those things Mm
0: -hmm. um it well the fact that you're approachable right a lot of times you put coaches on such a pedestal that you don't feel comfortable right that that you could go in and say coach can can I ask you a question about your book
1: right and and it's and one thing (laughs) this year which was really kind of cool of course when Mr. Mitchum, our headmaster, told me I was teaching the seventh, seventh grade class in Richmond. I was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I was like, well, how do you want me to enrich them? What What's the curriculum? He said, well, what do you think you should teach them? You know, because it's a, you know, you can do different things throughout the year. Uh, and I was like, and then I was just like, I want to teach my book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was phenomenal. I loved it. And for a seventh grader now <laughs> if anybody's running around middle school kids now, that's a different breed, okay I mean they're going through a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but I challenged them man i it it was fun i mean it really was and um plus it makes me dive back into it again and again and again and and just challenging them to open up and 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 say what they feel and 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 get you know. God out there in front of them, like immediately, you know, because you can't read, you cannot read this book and not see God all over it. You, you can't do it. And, um, the grace he has shown me, it is so undeserved, but I'll take it. And that's one of the hard things about grace is that we don't feel worthy of his grace. We don't. And, um, it's hard sometimes to take it, believe it or not, you know people. You know, I, I give an example in the book about when I finish my chemo and I go and ring the bell,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I honestly felt I felt guilt, um, and it, it's hard to talk about sometimes because when when you go to chemo for so long, you hear that bell every now and then if somebody gets done. Mm-hmm but you don't hear it as much as you would want to because some people they don't get to ring it because they don't make it okay. and and i would see people that you know there's there's 2 million people diagnosed with cancer every year it's 2 million okay and um so i'm going through this chemo and i have this unbelievable, amazing support. I mean, like my inner circle is amazing. I have this school and this community that wrapped their arms around me and didn't allow me to feel sorry for myself. I mean, they basically say, hey, look, buddy, you've been preaching to this for 20 years, Mm -hmm. well, we're fixing to put it back in your face, okay? Because we're taking care of you. And so when I get... I think about what I'm going to say because I wasn't – I never posted any pictures of me at chemo or at hospitals or, or anything the entire time. But I felt like it was important. I wanted to do a video to just thank people for all their support. And, and look, I talk for a living a lot. And I, as I was walking, I I couldn't find the words. Like I could not – because I felt guilty that I was getting to ring that bell, and so many others don't have the support that I did and and and, and I just I, f- I felt guilty um so those are some examples that i that I share in the book that you know because it's not always hey coach you can't it, it it's so much bigger than that it is so much bigger than that it puts you on a journey that you weren't prepared for, but you have to be okay with, and then you have to figure out how to get through it. And without without God's grace, that's not going to happen because you can't do it on your own. You just can't. And another example, I get to speak to um, the State Coaches Association. I'm still going through chemo, and, and uh, the executive director, he called me and said, I, I really think you need to, you need to come here and speak to these guys about this and um so they bring a a doctor on there before me to talk about colon cancer and um which had never been done before um so I felt good about that 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 he would do that mm-hmm. you know and then i I get up there and and I didn't prepare any notes because i didn't I didn't I didn't think that was the right setting for that. I I felt like they just needed to see my heart. Mm -hmm. And when I started talking, there again, I, I felt, I told them I felt ashamed that as going through this process, you know, I realized I wasn't being intentional with my time. And not with my wife, not with my kids, not with my players, Um, because I was always, what was on the to-do list? Like, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Okay, coach, you do all this amazing stuff. Okay, well, that's great, but if I'm not being intentional with my time and my relationships, and so what is really God blessing me with if I'm not being intentional with who he's putting me with, mm-hmm. and I and I felt ashamed because we live in this society that is so structured and so, you know, time oriented and all this. When it only takes a couple extra minutes to show someone your heart, and you could change their life forever, as opposed to, okay, let me look. Uh, I got okay, I got this meeting next. I got this meeting next, and God's put that person in front of you. They're staring you right in the face you know and he's giving you that opportunity to change their life but instead you got to move on to the next thing so powerful it it really shook me like in a way I've never been shaken before and it wasn't the cancer cells that were in my body that was shaking me it was the work he was doing on me inside mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with that cancer and and yes it was a miracle i mean I don't I never looked at stats. I told myself when it was going into it, they told me stage 4. I never got on the internet. Not one time, never looked at it, didn't care. And you know, I'm just a fighter. I've always been that way, and that's how I was going to take it on. But as I started going through that, it didn't matter how tough I was. It didn't matter any of that. This is God's plan. Either you're going to come through this or you're not. Okay? And it was like so afterwards, you know, you know you only had a 16 percent chance I'm like, "I know, I don't know that. I don't care. Okay, that's great. I'm glad it makes you feel better, whatever, but that's not what he was doing to me. He was breaking me down on the inside, not I mean yes, i have I have scars, and i you know, and, and I still have colostomy bag, and I still have all these things to deal with, but a lot of times when I look myself in the mirror, I don't see those scars, I see God and what he did to transform me during that time.
0: What changes have your wife and your daughter seen in you as a result? I Honestly,
1: I'm, I'm more intentional. I'm very much more intentional with the time that I have with them. Um, and that was one thing about this whole pandemic, COVID thing, and and be honest, selfishly, it couldn't have happened at a better time for me in my entire life because everything shuts down. Because So then I don't have that devil over here on this shoulder saying, hey, you're missing baseball, you're missing baseball, you're missing baseball. Mm-hmm. He's taking baseball away from you. Instead, there was no baseball. I had my biggest surgery that they removed the tumor and it was the hardest one. Um, Hit right when baseball was shut down. Mm-hmm. So, and, and and the devil's right, because I, I would have fallen for yeah. it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would have been so low, I mean, lower than low. You know what I mean? And, and he still does a good job. I mean, you're going through there, and then, like, so I don't get to have anybody there with me. I'm by myself. You know, she comes in and talks to me, and I I had one plan in place that I thought was going to happen and it didn't happen. The surgery didn't go the way she wanted it to go. They, I mean, they ended up having to give me blood twice. They weren't able to reverse my colonoscopy. I mean, my, you know, all, all these things, the colostomy, not colonoscopy, but the colostomy, they weren't able to reverse it. So I wake up with two bags instead of one, you know, and all these different things. So, He's working on me pretty hard, you know, and I, I I can't explain it until you you feel that warmth of God coming in and just drop kicking the devil out of your <laughs> bedroom, you know, and say, get out of here, I've got this, and then it's just, uh, it, it's really hard to explain, but it is, um it's pretty amazing because it, it, you go to some really, really low places, you know. And um, with, like I said, I mean, there, there wasn't, there wasn't in my wife wasn't even in there to slap me around and say, "Hey, let's let's stop this. We're fixing it." You know, we're gonna whatever happens, we're gonna get through it. You know, and um, the only thing that mattered to me was getting out of that room and getting home to my family. And if you ask me changes, that that's what I could not wait to see my family touch my family talk to my family you know and guess what we're in a pandemic they're home too my daughter's their soccer season she plays soccer at thomas university she's back home they've stopped it you know so i have my girls there with me i haven't spent that much time with my girls since i became a coach you know so it was it was pretty amazing time it was it was traumatic at times, absolutely, and it was hard physically and, and all those things, but when you come out at the other side you realize what God was
0: doing. Would you call yourself a writer? Mm. When the idea of okay, let me let me put this down in words. Right. That came from your heart. Right. I, I um <laughs> this is funny because
1: <laughs> I have I have these, a lot of coaches will buy the book. They'll send me awesome videos, that, you know, all this other kind of stuff, inspiring them to they said, did you actually write this by yourself? <laughs> they always ask me that. And I'm like, well, what's that supposed to mean? Like, I mean, you know, you call me a dummy? Or he's like, well, I just know I couldn't write it. Uh, well, and I guess the more that you say that, that's a great question you ask me because maybe – I give myself a little bit too much credit for the writing as well, meaning, you know, God put those words in my mouth to put on the, because, look, I I was never great at grammar, ever. Um, But I did feel like I always could write my feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do feel like I can convey how I'm feeling to other people. Mm -hmm. And I I have always been able to do that. Um, It's just, I think, putting yourself out on a limb and actually (laughs) putting it out there for everyone and anyone to read is the fear that a lot of people have.
0: We've been talking about uh, Serve to Lead to, and let's talk about folks who want to get access to this. I was in the... um, um, tires first, <laughs> and they've got a, a a banner, a a poster up saying, "Serve the lead two is out." You know, <laughs> right? Right. And uh, so you you know you got fans right there, and you know in the community who are right. helping you to promote the book. But but talk to me about somebody <laughs> says that this book speaks to me just from what I've heard you say. Right. How can they get a hold of
1: it? Well, it's funny that you said that. I got a text message from somebody that came back into town to get their tires changed and said sent me a picture of it like they sent me that message two days ago anyway so uh we can go to serve to lead to.com it now it's it is available on amazon but it, it's better if you go to serve to lead com and uh, you just click right on it and 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 our goal is to turn that website uh right now it's just a book but um We're going to turn that into a fully functioning website for our mission work and all that. So those are things we're working on behind the scenes. It's ready. We just got to get all that content and everything on there. That way people can still go there and buy the book, but Mm -hmm. you can also find out what we're doing, how you can help, you know, T-shirts you can buy, you know, testimonies from what we do, all that kind of stuff. I just, um, there again, one of my former players and, and former students, they're working on that with me. Because they want to be a part of it. And, and the person, ha- you know, it's just this community um, has always supported everything I've always tried to do, you know. Because I, th- I think they believe my heart, you know what I mean, that I, I, I want to help people. And I want to show them that God can do amazing things in their lives if they just surrender to his, his will. And um, easier said than done. I understand that. Um, but I do think people would enjoy it if, if, if they picked it up. It's um it's not too over the top. It's it's pretty uh graphic's not the right word. It's very truthful. Um it's I don't I don't hold anything back in it. Um but I think in essence that's what inspires us is we want the truth and that's um there's it's not fluffy at all. So, um, I think you could, I think people benefit, would benefit from from reading it.
0: I know that uh, the heart of a coach is special. I'm uh, 69 going on 70. My high school football coach, his name was Ralph Williams. Um, My senior year was 1969 at Lafayette High School in Lafayette, Georgia, not Lafayette, Alabama. (laughs) Right. But uh, he came to our high school, my. Junior year, and we had we went four and six, and but he came from Stevenson, Alabama, and he'd won the state championship there. So he came and implemented his system. And uh, my senior year, we had a tailback named Paul Carruthers. And Paul, um, I was a blocking back, all I had to do was get my body between Paul <laughs> and the defender, I didn't have to block him. Right. just get in the way and he was so fast he would turn it upfield. i think he rushed for over 1800 yards we went 11 and 1 that wow. m- my senior year best record uh, that our high school has ever had and um but a- and and coach williams passed away a few years ago mm-hmm. but we had a uh, a reunion sort of of the team, whoever could make it back mm-hmm. uh, around the 50 year mark Several years ago, and so we went. We went to a, um, a LaFayette home football game. Uh, they were playing Cedar Town, and Nick Chubb was a senior that year. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they smoked. <laughs> yeah. They smoked LaFayette that year, but um, the next day he was living in Marietta and and went home and came back the next day. And we went to the old football field. They built a new actually a new stadium and a new high school since when I was there. But we went to the old uh, football field, and there was some tents set up, and we we brought some yearbooks and some pictures and reminisced for several hours. And uh, before we ended it, we had a microphone set up, and we we said, you know, we presented him with a football that we had all signed as uh, just a, a memento of our respect and love for him. And he gave us one of his uh, patented Ralph Williams speeches where he said, gentlemen, you know, what you're learning on this football field is going to serve you well in life if you will listen to your mom and your dad, you know, be respectful of your elders, do what your coaches and your teachers tell you to do, and love God. Uh, I mean, he he basically laid a Tim Fanning foundation for us half a century ago. Right. So, uh, and what I would give if he had taken the time to have written a book that we could uh, use as a pattern, you know, to hand down to to the next generation and the next. But what you have done here, uh, I, I know the Lord is going to use and already has. It's clear from your testimony just of the coach that got back in touch, which is just the tip of the iceberg. But we've been talking here for, um, you know, going on uh, an hour, and it has flown by. But let's just end with uh, what do you hope the book will do for people that uh, – you don't have to be an athlete. Right. Um, I mean, this this speaks to people – where they are, and especially from your perspective of being, uh, you know, a, a cancer survivor, what will uh, the general John Q. public out there benefit by by reading what's between these pages? I
1: think that we often, like we touched on a little bit earlier, I think people feel like they have to be a coach or a in a, in a, you know, like have tons of people around them all the time, you know, be in a, in a position that have a lot of people working under them. Or, But the, the whole idea of being a servant is being that where you are. It doesn't matter how big your platform is. You have a platform. No matter who you are, if you're digging ditches, if you're the president of the United States, you have a platform because God gives you one. Mm-hmm. He gives you the opportunity, no matter where you are, to, to lead people to Christ. And if not, show them Christ in you. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest thing. If, because when you put others ahead of yourself, you can't hide Christ. You can't do it. I promise you, you can't. They see it. It's like a glow. It's an aura around you. Because people look at my mom on the surface and where she's lived, where she's grown up. She hasn't made a lick of money. She don't care about any of it. And if you ask, people ask about my mom before they ask about me. I promise you. <laughs> she's a saint. And, and she has that yes, she impact is. on every single person because they see God in her. Amen. You know, and that's important. I want my kids, my players to understand I will always fall short of the glory of God. But the power in that is that he's like, come on, buddy. Just come on. I got you. I don't care. Just come on. You know, and um, we can all do that. If we just show a servant's heart, and that's what I thats what I want people to get out of this book. Yes, I, I would love for everyone that, that's a man to read this book and say, hey, I need to go get a colonoscopy. Yes, okay, I want to save lives that way, but I want to mm-hmm. save lives for eternity,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not just people who may have colon cancer. So that's where those two things meet. Um, I think there's lessons in here for CEOs, for managers, for all this other stuff, because it all works. Putting others ahead of yourself works at any level. You just—it's not just on the field, on the court, or whatever. It's in every warehouse. It's in every TV station. It's at every church. No matter where you work, <laughs> people see servant in your heart if you let them, you know. And and that's. That's what I want
0: people to get out of the book. Tim, thanks for sharing your heart through the book, through your testimony today. Um, and you're right. Uh, putting God first and and listening to him and following his plan for your life, um, the wins will come. right? The state championships will come. But, boy, what a difference you're making to those uh Young people that uh, look up to you and call you coach and pass you in the hallway and, and feel comfortable enough to have a conversation with you about who you really are. Well, I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity because um,
1: it, it may seem like I only want to, you know, my message is to impact others, but it's also for myself. And this right here, I can't think of anything better that God wants me to do than to share myself with other people.
0: And thank you. Thank you for doing that for me today, Tim. And we thank you for joining us here on Faces of Faith, another edition. I want to thank Dylan Hansen, our director, who's been sitting patiently beside me and taking care of uh, the bells and whistles that make this podcast happen. Again, before we leave, we always want to remind you that whatever you're going through, always remember, keep the faith. See you next time.